You're listening to the Jewish Living Podcast. I'm Rabbi Nachum Mech. Welcome, shalom, those who are joining us in person and those who are joining us virtually. Welcome. We're going to move today to a new subtopic within our overall topic. We've been talking about the laws of brachas, the prayers we recite over food. And this week and probably next week, definitely next week, and possibly the week after that, we're going to be taking a, we're going to be discussing the laws of the brachas that you make after eating. We know that, and we've been talking about for the last several weeks, uh, the different laws about food, the brachas we make before we take a bite to eat, different foods and how to do it. The halacha is we're supposed to eat, we're supposed to make a bracha after we eat as well. Andrew, can I trouble you? Is there an art scroll sitter over there on the in our little bookcase? Now, nah, don't worry about it. Don't. Okay, Andrew's gonna gonna run to get. No, they're not gonna be over there, Andrew. They'll be by the front. Thank you. Um. Now, commonly, colloquially, we refer there. There are there are actually several different types of. I'm gonna call them after brachas, the prayers that we recite after. After we eat, there is a small prayer of Borei Nefashos, which we recite after some foods. There is the bracha, it's called Me'en Shalosh, or an Al HaMichya, or Al HaGefen. I'm sorry about that. Welcome. Shalom. Thank you so much, Andrew. We make an, an, an certain foods in Al HaMichya, or Al HaGefen. We'll talk about those later. I want to focus tonight, and probably next week as well, exclusively on the bracha, the prayer that we recite after eating bread or a bread meal, which is called birchas hamazon, the bracha, the prayer on mazon, on food. You should have, oh, help yourselves, guys. You should, welcome. You should have an art scroll sitter. In your art scroll sitter, it's found on page 184. This is where we have birchas hamazon. Welcome. Mm -hmm. People often refer to it colloquially as benching. Ever heard that? Benching. Everyone, let's go bench. Are you benching? Who's benching? What does the word benching mean? So it's actually a Yiddish word. Bench is not what you sit on. I mean, it is what you sit on. But in Yiddish, bench, to bet, bench is, is the Hebrew word of bracha, to bless. Maybe let's just take a moment here for a second. We refer often to oftentimes to many of our prayers as blessings. And that is an accurate translation. It comes from the word, it's called a bracha. Bracha is a blessing. Just as an aside, something we never really talked about, but it's worth taking a minute just to flag. When we recite brachas, blessings, the prayers on food, and there are many brachas in our prayers as well, we're not blessing God, right? It should always be understood. God doesn't need us. Typically when I bless, I say, Kyle, you should be blessed to get married soon and build a bias on be Israel, you know, a happy and healthy family, right? That's a blessing. I'm saying, Kyle, this is what I'm wishing. It's like, a, a, I'm wishing you well. It's a prayer almost. You don't need to wish God well. You don't need to bless God. God is infinite. God doesn't need us to say, God, you know, you should be, a, all your dreams should come true, right? We, that's obviously doesn't make sense. Rather, it should, there. it's, it's understood in many different ways by the Rishonim. Probably the the simplest way, or I've always felt like the most literal way, is it's a statement. Blessed are you, Hashem. I'm not hoping or wishing something to God, 
but rather it's an acknowledgement that you are blessed. And then you continue the prayer. Now, because the verb is, you know, I guess to make a bracha, to recite a bracha, the verb in Yiddish is benching. It would also be the noun. Are you going to recite benching? So that's the word. And everyone, it's one of those Yiddish words that like, it's it's used by the whole world. It's benching. So that's what we're going to just going to stick with. So I apologize if, it, if you're not used to that word. Um, I would say it's probably one of those one of those few Yiddish words that you really should know because everyone, I mean everyone, I mean even like non-Yiddish speakers, Sephardic Jews, they're going to say, are you benching? Who's benching? I'm benching. It's, it's just that is the word, okay? Am I making sense? What I would like to do today is talk about the who, what, where, when, and why of benching. That's how I thought would be the best way when I was just going through it and preparing. It just, or in my mind, it's the who, where, who, what, where, when, and why, except for one thing. We're going to leave the what probably for next week, at least. The what meaning is what, what exactly is the structure of benching the Birkat Hamazon. Again, you just follow it in your sitter or in a bencher on page 184 in your art scroll and you'll be fine. But next week or perhaps the week after, depending on how much we get through today, I'm going to actually go through it. It is important to understand the structure of benching. So we're going to, does that make sense? So we're going to cover the next week or two or three, the who, what, where, when, and why of benching. Am I making thoughts, questions before we go on? Terrific. Let's start with the why. Let's start with the why. And of course... I, I should have brought in a Chumash as well, but we'll, we'll do it by heart. We've spoken many times, several times, that whenever you see a bracha, the formulation of Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Shakol for example, whenever you see that formulation of a what we call a bracha, a blessing, that was almost all the time, not exclusively, but generally speaking, that was instituted, that was formulized. We talked about this last week in more detail by the Anshei Knesset Hagadola, the men of the Great Assembly. These were prophets living at the beginning of the Second Temple era, end of the First Temple era, in between the First and Second Temple era, right at the beginning of the Second Temple era. And we talked about a bracha is a very sacred form of prayer. There are different types of prayers that you can recite, but a bracha, we've talked about, remember we talked about, you should not be you shouldn't change from the, the impression, as it were, the mint that our sages they coined for brachas. Brachas are sacred. Terrific. As a rule, almost an exclusive rule, every bracha that you will ever recite is a rabbinic institution. Meaning God didn't come down at Sinai and say, you know, Shira, you, thou shalt recite the prayer, the bracha on bread. Thou shalt recite the bracha on drink. Typically understood, it's not a Torah requirement. It's a rabbinic requirement. It's a midirah banan. Now, we have, as Jews, if you want to, assuming you want to not be a Karite, we want to follow traditional Judaism as practiced the last 3,000 years. You know, we follow rabbinic Judaism and it's concretized and it's halachicized. It's legislated, and there are you know lots of rules, as we've been discussing, how to recite brachas. But it should all be understood that it's in the rubric of these are dinim dirabanan. These are rabbinic enactments, just like we lit Hanukkah candles last week. That's a rabbinic enactment. It was the same rabbis who instituted, actually it was later. This is an early, the brachas were actually instituted before Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah happens towards the halfway point of the second temple. Most brachas were composed, that's the right word, legislated by earlier sages. Am I making sense? So far, so good. There is one exception. It's a half of an exception. It's really a full exception, but we'll see. We'll see. There might be two exceptions. But one of the classic exceptions, the definite exception, 
is benching. The bracha that we recite after we eat bread is a de'araisa, is a Torah requirement. The verse says, v'achalta v'savata uveirachta. You shall eat, you'll be satisfied, and then what do you do? Uveirachta. You shall recite a blessing. The requirement of benching is actually a Torah requirement. It's one of 613 mitzvahs. To bench after you've eaten is a Torah requirement. Does it matter if it's rabbinic or if it's a Torah requirement? The answer is yes and no. Practically, you have to, either way, you have to do it. But we'll see when something is a rabbinic enactment, we treat it differently than if it's a Torah enactment. So keep that in the back of your minds. It might come up throughout our conversation. So if you want to know why do we bench, we talk about the why. Answer number one is it's in the Torah. It says, It's the Torah requires it. Now, the verse is in the context of bread. It says, It's the land. It's talking about, the, it's in the verses that, that's discussing the, the bounty of the land of Israel. And it says, you'll eat bread in the land. And then it says, you shall eat, you'll be satisfied, and you shall bless. So it's understood in the context of eating bread. It's specifically in the context of eating bread. That's when we bench. There's a, there is a matter of dispute if you back it up two verses. If you back up a, you know, a previous verse before that, the verse before that is the famous verse that talks about the seven species of the land of Israel. All the things that Israel is, is blessed for. So there are those who wonder, is that final verse, that third verse that talks about blessing after you've been sat, eaten and been satisfied, is it also going back on the fruits of the seven species? We're going to deal with that later. For today, we're going to just, what everyone agrees with is that you have a requirement to bench you have a requirement to bench when you eat bread, okay? That everyone agrees with. And that's what we're going to focus on, specifically benching, birkat hamazon, which is specifically over bread. Good? Terrific. Next week, and it's going to be important, we're going to talk about the what. So what, okay, so the Torah says you have to make a bracha, you have to do this benching. What, did the Torah actually compose the text of the, of the bracha? The answer is no, it didn't. If it didn't, the actual text was not composed by the Torah. The actual text was indeed in, was composed by the Anshei Knesset Hagadola, the same group, the men of the Great Assembly. However, we're going to see next week, there are very specific things that are required mid-Dal-Rais on a Torah level that we include in our benching. Practically, what does that mean? Not much. Follow the benching and you'll be fine. But it is worth going through why it is the benching is structured the way it is and the hows and the details. We'll get to that. Um, so why do we bench? It's because the Torah says so. Who composed the actual text of the benching? The Anshei Knesset Hagadola. But it should be added and should be noted that although the requirement is a Torah requirement, much like almost anything that we do in Judaism, things that have Torah requirements have rabbinic layers on top of it. Okay? So we're going to see, not just in terms of the text of the benching, which we'll talk about next week, but actually a lot of the laws a lot of the halacha and a lot of the scenarios and situations that govern benching are going to have rabbinic layers on top of it. Okay? Terrific. So that's the why we bench. The next question is, is when should one bench? So I got a couple things written down for here. When should one bench? On a Torah level, one must bench 
Let's go through that verse again. Ve'achalta, you shall eat visavata, and you will be satisfied. Let's say I take a bite of a crumb, one bed breadcrumb. Now, see if you remember. If I took a bite of a breadcrumb, do I need to make a bracha of hamotzi on that breadcrumb? The answer is yes. There is no minimum for a bracha rishona. The bracha you recite beforehand, no matter if it's a crumb, you have to make a bracha. You don't watch that. You have to have a kabeya, but but uh, um, yeah, a kabeya. But to 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 make your bracha rishona, I mean, take it back. You do wash, but you don't wash with a bracha. But putting that aside, bracha rishona, the bracha you make before you eat, no matter how min, there's no minimum. No matter how little it is that you eat, you must make a bracha. Okay, the Torah mandates. In terms of your bracha afterwards, benching in our example, is specifically visavata, if you are satisfied. So if you're seriously hungry, you're, for example, I don't know, a high school teenage boy, which I've had to deal with, who can consume an absurd amount of pizza or bread or whatever it may be, it's, it would be different than, I don't know, a six-year-old girl. It's just going to be different. They're just going to have, well, that's a bad example, but a 12-year-old girl, as we'll see in a moment, it's going to be different. It really is dependent on, are you satisfied? That's on the Torah, on a Torah level. And it's important to keep it in mind. Rabbinically, Midzira Bonan, they, they instituted or they, they regulated because being satisfied is kind of a little bit of a hard thing. Satisfied, I'm not satisfied, I can eat. For me to be satisfied, oh, it's probably about five or six bowls you know, where, you know, or, or sandwiches. I need like, like a sub that's maybe like, I don't know, six feet long. And then I'll be, it's hard to know. So they actually, the minimum shear, the minimum measurement for benching is a kezayis. A kezayis is an olive amount. Think roughly, we will call it 1.5 ounces. The thing that they always use, if you think, you know, those loaves of rye, the Jewish rye that come, those like half loaves, think of like a half of a slice of rye bread is usually the, that's, Varn Cutler said that was what he thought a kezayis was. All right. It's hard. Obviously, it's going to be hard to squish it, not squish it. Roughly speaking, that's what we're talking about. It's not a lot. It's 1.5 ounces of bread. Let's say I have half of that and then I have a huge meal. Doesn't count. It has to be 1.5 ounces of bread. Okay. That's at least to fulfill on, on the Durabanan. The rice, that's a little bit different, but let's we're going to stick with that to keep things simple. 1.5 ounces, if you eat, well, it's not a lot, right? It's a very, very small amount. Am I making sense? 1.5 ounces, you eat that amount of bread, you now have a requirement to bench. Okay, so we talk about when do you bench? It's when you have 1.5 ounces of bread. However, and there's a second component. You have to eat that 1.5 ounces of bread, kideachilas pras. You can't eat that over the course of a day. Like have a bite, wait 25 minutes, have another bite, and, and you stack it all together over the course of 36 hours, I had 1.5 ounces. It has to be 1.5 ounces that's eaten. pras literally means the amount of time it takes to eat a slice. What does that mean? It means like how much is considered a normal amount of time to eat you know, a certain amount of food. Roughly speaking, it's three minutes, practically speaking. Three minutes. That is a long time to eat half a slice of rye bread. bread. Doesn't, mean you don't, like, does, doesn't mean you don't have to be neurotic about this. Just means you, you take a bite of, a, of a, two pieces of, two big bites of a, of a challah, you've probably done it, okay? I mean, I don't know. 
Depends how big your mouth is. That's what we're talking about. So it's 1.5 ounces within three minutes. Okay, terrific. That's what what requires. That's the requirement for benching Madurabana. When else do you bench? We spoke about this, I think, a few weeks ago, but I want to, just as I was taking my notes, I think it's a good idea to go over this again. Here, I got it over here. Let's say I ate, and I ate in the morning, and I didn't bench. How long after I finish eating can I still bench for? How long is there a, right? So, preferably, what you should do, once you finish your meal, you should bench. Right? When you're finished, you should bench. Does that mean at your Shabbos table, the second you finish, guys, we got to bench? No, if you're still eating and you're sitting, it doesn't mean you have to rush. But before you go on to your next thing, you should bench. That's certainly a good idea. However, there is actually a time limit for how long you're allowed to bench. And it's called sheer equal, the amount of time it takes to digest. So if you ate your food, and then you now didn't bench and you're sitting around schmoozing, talking about the Golden Knights and you've digested your food so you can no longer bench anymore. Rabbi, I have a question. How long does it take for me to digest my food? That's a very hard, what does that even mean? It's very hard to know. So the answer is, it's when you know, when when if you are not hungry, meaning I ate a big meal and I feel satiated. Vislavata, I feel satiated. So long that you feel satiated, you're not digesting. You're, you're still digesting. Once you're feeling hungry again, that's sheer equal. Your body has dige halachically digested it. But rabbi, that's a very hard thing to measure. I'm hungry. I'm not hungry. Again, ask a teenage boy. They're always hungry. It's typically understood. There's a floor. It's a minimum of 72 minutes. Okay? Which is... A Minimum of 72, a minimum, meaning if within 72 minutes, you're good, you can bench, okay? If you're within 72 minutes, you can still bench. Not only that, this is where you can do like a stall. You can take a bite of your challah. You can then keep eating whatever you want because it's still part of your meal. And even though that's not bread, it doesn't matter. So you can prolong that 72 minutes doesn't start till the last thing that you ate, which means you, and this is not, there's nothing, this is totally, you could totally do this. You sit down. I mean, you might be a glutton, but in theory, you sit down at 9 a.m. You make one bracha, you wash, you have your bracha on your French toast, and then you just eat the entire day for the next, you know, the entire day. Now, we talked about shinoi makom. Do you remember we talked about that? As long as you don't leave your house. If you leave your house, you might have a different problem. But even then, you wash, so you're not going to have those problems. So in theory, you can wash. Even if you do leave your house, it's not going to be a problem because, right, you remember our shinoi makom conversation for those who paid attention? You don't have to bench till you go to sleep, provided that you have something to eat at least every 72 minutes. Not the bread. Could be anything. Anything. Okay. And that's fine. That is the halacha. So long that you eat every... I love that. Is that. That's actually right, Rabbi. Oh, halacha is always vague. 72 minutes. That's concrete, right? I'll give you a concrete answer. 72 minutes is the magic number. Okay? Terrific. Um, you want to hear it? This is, a, this, is, this is off to the side. This is for our Talmudists here. 
This is amazing. This is amazing. This is advanced. This is pretty good. If you don't follow this, don't worry about this. This is for the advanced class. But this is so cool. The Chazon Ish, who's a great rabbi who you know passed away in like the late 50s, early 60s, he wanted to know what's the reason why you get this 72 minutes, this sheer equal that you could bench, you're allowed to recite benching, you know, so long that your body is digesting. Is it that it's just like you're really respect? You ate in the beginning. You have to bench, and it's just like anything in the in Judaism, there's a shear, there's a measurement. You got 72 minutes. That's it. Or he wanted to know more fundamentally, maybe it's not just like, okay, it's how 1.5 ounces, three minutes, and there's 72 minutes. He says, maybe it's something more fundamental. It's not just like a shear, it's not just like, like a, a measurement, but rather it's when you are in the state of satiation, you have a chiv to bench. You see that? It's being in a state of satiation, you have an obligation to bench. After 72 minutes, you're no longer in a state of satiation, you no longer have a responsibility to bench. What's the difference? I'll tell you, this is amazing. This is actually a practical question. Let's say you're not Jewish and you ate a ton of food. And then at 12, that you ate a ton of food at 12 o'clock. At 12.15, you then go to the Beisden and they are Megayar you, you convert. You come out of the mikvah and you're full, right? You just ate at 12 o'clock. Now it's 12, 16. This is a real question. Do you have a chiyav? Do you have a responsibility to bench, right? Think it through. According to the first way of looking at it, you don't because my benching goes on my eating. When I ate, what was I? Not Jewish. So you have no chiyav to bench. To, you know, now that all of a sudden you became Jewish, you have no responsibility to bench. However, if the chiyav, if the obligation of benching comes from being in a state of satiation, at 1216, am I satiated? Yes. Am I Jewish? Sure am. Go bench. How awesome is that, folks? I don't know the answer. I don't think, I think he left it. He's not sure what the answer to that is. Um, I thought, come on. That's so cool, right? May have been a practical question for some of us around here. What's that? So what if you feel like you don't have the chiyav to Okay. Okay. So let me thank you for raising that to clarify. If you ate 1.5 ounces of bread, even if you're not satiated, you have to bench. That chiyav, however, that responsibility is only midirabana. Oh, no. Did you understand? I want to make sure that was very clear. You do have to bench. You do have to bench. However, that obligation is only rabbinic. It's not a Torah obligation. Is there a difference? 97 point, or even more than 99% of the time, it, there's no difference. You have to bench. We will see. There are a couple of practical differences that do come up every now and again. Unusual. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Right. Thank you. We'll, we'll use that as a segue to another scenario. When do you need to bench? Right. So again, we've talked about being satiated, kizayis, the time of 72 minutes of digestion. Let's talk about a new thing. Let's say a person ate. And then they're like, and then they, they, they go on their merry way. They're on to the next activity. And they're like, goodness, I can't remember if I benched. It could happen. Yeah, just, I don't remember. Did I bench or not? Oh, right? Has that ever happened? It's happened to me. Not ashamed to admit it, right? I, I can't remember what I did. What do you do? So this is an interesting question. Anything that's rabbinic, any type of prayer that's rabbinic, the general rule is a suffix if you're in doubt. I don't remember. Did I fulfill my responsibility? Anything that's rabbinic in origin, in terms of the origin of its of its obligation, the law is when in doubt, leave it out. 
don't bet you don't don't recite it again. However, that is only for things that are rabbinic. Things that have a Torah requirement. What happens if you're a Safek, you're in doubt? You got to do it again. So for example, I don't know if I prayed Shachris this morning. That's a Durabanan. Davening Shachris, praying Shachris is the drama. You can't remember if you daven, you don't daven again. If you don't remember, if you benched, what do you do? Well, it's going to depend. When you ate, were you really, really full? This is going to be the one weird case. It will depend on whether you were satiated. If you were, then it was a total requirement to bench. If you just had a little bit of bread, 1.6 ounces, so it was only rabbinic, so you wouldn't bench again. It's more, now it sounds all right, that's very cool, right? This, whatever, I've, it hasn't come up for me usually when I eat and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty full when I'm done, but but uh, but that would be an Afghamina case. That would be a, 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 a an example of where it would matter, were you satiated or were you not? Question. Um, maybe it's off topic, but Okay, so we're specifically talking about benching on bread. For fruits, vegetables, and other things, we're going to wait three weeks for that. The short answer is for, for fruits and vegetables, the answer is going to be no. It's a durabana. That's going to be durabana. This is specifically for bread. That's going to be for, for bread. The tweeners are going to be the the, the shivas haminim, which is unusual. The, the, the seventh species that Israel's bread. But fruits and veggies, no. Okay, so that's the when. When do we bench? So it's when you had either you were satiated, then your 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 responsibility to bench is a Torah obligation. If you had 1.5 ounces, it's rabbinic. If you are within 72 minutes of, of eating, you can bench. And we talked about assuming that you're even if you're in doubt. So then it all depends. If your chiyuv, if your obligation was a Torah obligation, you're going to have to bench again. If it was only rabbinic, you won't. May making sense? Terrific. Who? We now that was the we've done the why and we've done the when. Let's go to the who. Who has an obligation to bench? Okay, so anybody who ate, certainly. Here's where it's a little tricky. Men definitely have a chiyuv, they definitely have a responsibility. Minhat Torah, their obligation to bench is definitely a Torah responsibility. No question. What's the story with women? What's the story with women? So if you recall the general rules, what mitzvahs are women not obligated on? Time-bound time positive mitzvahs. Here's the question. Is this a time-bound positive mitzvah? Time-bound? How's it bound by time? Uh, that, that's very cute. That's very interesting. But it's that's just it's it's limited, but it's time bound. Usually means it comes up on a, somewhere on the calendar. Oh. That's usually when we talk about. I, I should clarify. Time bound means I could point to a calendar either on a daily calendar, daytime versus nighttime, a weekly calendar, or a yearly calendar. We say time bound. It doesn't mean that that time regulates it. It means that there's a time on the calendar when it's on, time when it's off. Yes, that is Midra Banan, first of all, according to, right, that's going to be Midra Banan. And that actually, technically speaking, is not just a mitzvah for women. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I actually, I lit candles this Friday night. 
Yeah. So I did. My wife was out, of t- was out of town. I was here. My wife was in Sila Campbell's with the bracha. I've only done that maybe a half thousand times in my life. A dozen times? Probably a dozen. Yeah. But that's a good example. So let's go back to benching now. Is benching, although yes, it's regulated by time, but it's not when we talk about hazman. The, actually, the right word is zman grama means grama means caused. It's not caused by time. That's that's actually a, a more literal translation, right? Is benching a time-caused mitzvah? So I would say no. It's a situational-caused mitzvah when you eat bread, but you can eat bread day, night. I guess you can't eat it on Yom Kippur, but that's a good question. But I guess technically you could if you were in a, it's whatever. Okay, that's well, off topic, right? <laughs> So on the one hand, it's a mitzvah that's not time-bound, and the Talmud says, therefore, according to the starting point should be, women are obligated, the same as men. However, we're going to see next week when we talk about the what of benching, if you read the end of the verse, it says, You shall eat, you'll be satisfied, you should make a bracha, you should bench. Al ha'aretz hatovah. On the good land, Asher Nosan Lach, that God gave you. Who's that refer? Who did God give the land to? The Jews, go away, Arabs. Right, no. But when did God give the Jews the land? When they entered into the land of Israel with Joshua after the 40 years in the desert. Very specifically for the Jews, if you remember, if you look at the Torah in, in uh, Parshas Pinchas and then Matos and Masay, how the, the system of how Jews were allocated land in the land of Israel was specifically limited to who? Men. It went it's specifically not even the men who entered, it actually went about the men who left Egypt left Egypt. It went on the family based on the fit, men, number of men who left Egypt. Those families got portions in the land of Israel that then subsequently got divided by the people who entered into the land of Israel. But the point is, the Torah points out, it's about the land that God gave to you. God only gave the land to the heads of households who left Egypt, the male heads of households, were allocated land. And the Talmud says, because of that, one might say, or not one might say, there's a real possibility that women are actually excluded from the Torah requirement of uverachta, of benching. Was that roundabout? The bottom line is, I'm sorry if that was a little confusing. The bottom line is, is the Talmud leaves it off unclear. And the Rambam codifies it, and it's co- as this is how it's codified in the Shulchan Aruch as well. It's a suthek. It's not sure. It's not clear. However, this is an important point. Very important point. So technically speaking, it's not clear. Are women obligated on the Torah level to bench? Rabbinically, there is no question that women have a responsibility and a chiyav to bench. If you put all the math of what we've talked about together, let me ask you the following question. Let's say you happen to be a woman and you can't remember. And you, how about this? You, you're a woman. You ate a ton of bread, an, an insane amount of bread. And you can't remember if you benched. What would the halacha be? think this through. It's a little bit tricky because according to the opinion that your obligation is only Dirabanan, you shouldn't bench again. But don't worry. Rabbi Kiva Eger says, women, even it's fine if you're a woman to treat it like a Daraisa in regards to this to this issue. Okay? So for if you're a woman and you're not sure if you benched, treat it like a Daraisa, bench again. However, there is one other 
real ramification of this. Can a, can a man, we've talked about this in the past, I can recite a bracha, I can recite a prayer, say it out loud, and, you know, Andrew, you're going to listen carefully, and you'll say amen after my bracha. It's as if you said it, okay? We've come across that a couple times. I haven't gotten into too much detail. That's a general rule of all prayers and all, almost all prayers and all brachas. I can recite the prayer on behalf of a whole con congregation, a whole group. However, it only works if my obligation is the same level as your obligation or greater. But if my obligation is a higher obligation, I'm sorry, is a lower obligation than yours, I can't fulfill your obligation. So because of that, a woman, there's a, there's a, it's at least a suffix, it's not clear, she might only have a dirabonan, a rabbinic obligation to bench. So therefore, a woman should not, we'll change that to, cannot fulfill a man's obligation to bench. So if a woman were to bench out loud for a man, provided that the man ate enough to be fully chayiv midaraisa, he's only rabbinically ob obligated, and she could fulfill his obligation, if that's too confusing, but that's the general rule. Okay, does that make sense? Is I too confusing, confusing over there? The bottom line is, is if you're a woman, it's not such a, uh, it's not so relevant, because midarabanan, rabbinically, women have a responsibility to bench. I'm seeing some confused faces, or does that make sense? Thumbs down if that didn't make sense. Thumbs up. Okay, we're going to go with that. Okay, there's one other group, children. It's actually an interesting thing. Children, generally speaking, minors don't have a chiyav, don't have a responsibility to do mitzvahs, right? You only become of age if you're 13 for a boy, 12 for a girl. If you're under 13 or under 12, do they have to shake lulav, for example, on Sukkot or here the show? For the answer is no. It might be a good idea for a parent to educate their child, and a parent might have an obligation of sorts. It's not clear what that obligation is. They might have some obligation to educate their children. However, when it comes to benching, there is absolutely a dinder abanan, specifically for benching, that, that children need to bench, assuming that they're age appropriate and that they can. Chazal actually gave them, our sages gave them a requirement to bench, and the parent, you have a responsibility to make sure they fulfill that obligation age appropriately. Okay? So we've covered the why do we bench, we covered the when do we bench, and we covered the who do we bench, who benches. Now let's go to the where do we bench. Good? Where do we bench? Ideally, you should bench in the same room or the same location where you ate. We've seen changing locations when you eat is not the simplest thing in the halacha. We've seen when it comes to bread, you are allowed to change location. If when you ate, you decided I'm planning on eating here, and my initial plan is I want to eat here and then go to Kyle's house to finish my meal. If that was your initial intent, then you can totally do that. It's totally fine initially to do that. However, if I started eating here, and now halfway through, I decided I want to go to Kyle's. The better thing to do, in, unless it's really, if you'd ask me, it seems to me that the better thing to do would be to bench and then wash again and make a new bracha at Kyle's house. In theory, if I didn't, it's fine. But ideally, it'd be better to first bench, unless it was my initial plan to always do that all along. Um, you should bench in a clean place. Specifically, in a place where there's human waste. So example, you have a broken bathroom. Certainly you should not, you cannot bench in a bathroom. Um, or if let's say, I don't know, you got a backed up toilet or something like that. Or a little bit more practical would be if you have a baby with a diaper. 
and that diaper is occupied, right? You really should, and this is really actually a practical thing when you have little kids, before you bench, you really should make sure a kid needs a, a diaper change, do that, you know, before everyone benches. And if it's time to bench, so either mom or dad should, you know, take, take the child out and, and change diaper, okay? Where? And and there's a dirty diaper there. You should not. No, bench. I mean like just in general, like you're. Oh, I mean you're going places. Totally bench. You don't have to stop. You don't have to stop. How do I know that? Actually, the halacha is is like that when you're even for davening. If you can, if you can stop, it's it's a better thing to do. However. It's only if by stopping, it's not going to make you frazzled. In other words, if you're rushed, I got to get to work. I got to get to New Jersey because I'm driving. We have cross country. If by stopping, you're going to be frazzled. The halacha is you just bench on the on the go. It's totally fine. You don't have to stop. However, Kyle, thank you for the, the lead. That leads us to the, I guess, the last topic, which is how should one bench? Um, the halacha, as Kyle is alluding to, is you're really not supposed to be doing anything while, while you're benching. It's not just not you're supposed to, you're not allowed to. You're not, the halacha is actually very, very clear. You're not allowed to engage in any activity. So if you're benching while you're juggling, that's prohibited. If you're benching while you're, you really sh should be focused. Why? Because it's really an appropriate thing is to be focused on benching while you bench. I'll actually, if I could take a moment, let me see. I'll bet you this is on the right page. Oh, no, it's not this. I could just read a passage from the Mishnah Brura. He says a couple things. Let's talk about a couple of the other things, how a person should bench. Uh, well, let's go through a couple of these other, how one should bench. Says the, the, the Shulchan Aruch, Code of Jewish Law. You could bench in any language. You can bench in any language. If you're not comfortable in Hebrew, get yourself an art scroll sitter, folks. If you can't afford an art scroll sitter, I will buy you one. Okay, Everyone needs to have an art scroll sitter. Get an art scroll sitter if you, I'm serious. It's a real offer. If you can't afford it, you know someone that will use it and they cannot afford it, let me know. I will I will pay for it. I will get it covered. Get yourself an art scroll sitter. If you're not comfortable in Hebrew, bench in English. If you're working on Hebrew, that's great. But I don't have 15 minutes to bench as I you know struggle through my Hebrew. Bench in English and you'll work on your Hebrew at a time appropriate thing. You have to bench. You can bench in every language and any language. That's the halacha hard stop. The one exception is it's preferable. It really should be a language that people speak in your neck of the woods. So if you're lost in outer Mongolia, it might not be so simple that you could bench in English. But if you're in Israel, people speak English. People speak English everywhere. It's assuming it's a language that people kind of sort of speak, it's fine. What happens if you really are an outer Mongolian camp? Okay, we'll talk about that later. So I mean, you, you'll send me a text message if you're in that scenario. Um, preferable to bench in, in, in Hebrew. It's written in the Sefer HaChinuch, which is a book that was written anonymously in the oh, late 12th, probably the 13, early 1300s. Kol Hazayr Beber Kasamazlan, anyone who's particular with benching. Your food, your parnasa, your sustenance, your finances will be will be available to you covered with, with dignity. You're not, it's, it's a special bracha, it's a special, um, you know, blessing that you get. Ideally, you should bench out of a bencher, 
out of a, you know, the sitter or a proper bencher. Don't bench by heart. I have a rule that I do for myself. This is my personal little thing. You don't have to do this. This is my personal thing. Whenever I'm in a scenario where I have to bench by heart, I always bench out. I No, let me jump ahead. You really should be benching a little bit out loud. At least your mouth, your lips should be moving. If I have to bench by heart, I will literally bench out loud. Now I know I didn't skip anything. I want to bench so that the guy next to me can know I'm faking it. Right, he'll catch me if I if I don't have a bencher. Like I, it's just a thing that I do. Really, you should be benching. It should be a little bit audible, but and ideally, you should not bench by heart. Get yourself on your phone. Get a benching app. I've got one right here. I actually have the Art School Sitter app, which is fantastic. You get it right here on your sitter. You never, you never, you're never lost. Um, if for whatever reason you can't speak, you thinking benching does not work. Um, okay. What about if you're drunk? Should you bench? Ugh. Ideally not. It's, 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 it's actually not clear. It's a steer in halacha. The halacha is, is, um, let's go, let me get you the, pardon me, the bottom line halacha. Um, if a person is totally passed out, so you don't bench. Like if a person is totally has no comprehension, they're considered a shota. A shota means you're incompetent. If your person's literally incompetent, they have no they have no chiyav mitzvahs. They have no obligation to any mitzvahs. They're potter. They don't have responsibility to bench. However, if a person is, let's say, inebriated, they cannot pass a sobriety test. They shouldn't be driving. So the halacha is you shouldn't bet. Let's, let's, let me go backwards. You should, um, you should, um, you should, there's a level of drunkenness called which means you cannot really carry yourself in front of a king. By king, it doesn't mean the president you could joke around with. It means a king who, if they think you're misbehaving, will kill you, has the authority to kill you. So are you able to have an appropriate conversation with, that's a threshold when, it, when we talk about inebriation. Ideally, a person, if a person plans on drinking, they should bench before they get to that level. It's hard to exactly know, like what, what, what's the BAC on that? I don't know. But ideally, a person should bench before being in that state. If a person has not yet benched, even though they are in that state, they can bench. Okay? You should, ideally, you should bench before that. If you didn't, you still can bench. We learned that out from the Pasuk. The verse says, You shall eat, you'll be satisfied, and you bench. Back then, what was the what did people drink? Wine. So they, the, our sages derived that it means you can bench even though you're a little bit inebriated, a little intoxicated, even though you're not able to speak appropriately in front of a king, it's still okay. However, again, the halacha says preferably you should really bench before getting to that point. Okay? Thoughts, questions before we call it a day? Question. Minutes. Don't bench. So even, even if it's a... Yeah, because you've already... Well, okay. So there it's a little tricky. If you really still feel full, okay, then, then you can bench. It is subjective. 72 is a minimum. That's why I said it's a minimum. Even Midara, Midara. If, you've, if you have... Certainly if you have a Chiv Daraisa, if you, if you and you ate, you ate a ton, and like it's two hours later, you know, 120, no, it's still more than, yeah, 120 minutes later, you know, you could still bench because uh, because you still have a chiyav. Okay, the 72 is a minimum, is a minimum floor.
Okay. Any other thoughts, questions? We'll call it a day here. Next week, we're going to get, so we've done the who, the who, where, when, and why. Next week, we're going to talk about the what. What is the structure of benching? We'll talk about what do you need to recite during benching, including special insertions for special occasions, such as Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, things like that. And we'll also talk about, we'll see, the, I guess the other things we'll, we'll cover are certain other laws about benching, as well as we've talked about the Bore Nefashos and the Me'in Shalosh, the after brachas on other foods. Okay? That's the story. Thank you all for coming, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Jewish Living Podcast with Rabbi Nahal Math. Please do us a favor and like and share this podcast, ask a question, or leave a comment.